The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hi there, and welcome to episode 29 of the ADHD Adults. I'm James Brown, the poor sap who has to corral one of the biggest idiots in existence through the process that is shambolic podcasting. A man with a head exactly the same shape as Charlie Brown, Dr. Alice Connor. Alice, hi. In the words, James, of your favourite band, Coldplay, yellow. I mean, that the most insulting thing about that is obviously saying that I fucking like Coldplay. They're edgeless, banal, yeah, whatever. I mean, so is Derek Bowie, to be fair. Oh, just just let everybody know that's listening to this. I've actually spent the day with Alex, and therefore my tolerance for him, which is normally <laughs> low, I suppose is the way to phrase it, is just missing, absent, completely gone. And if I get through this without smashing something, we've made a good start. So, he says with fear and trepidation, how are you, Alex? I'm very well, thank you, James. Yeah, loving life. Spent the whole day with my good friend James, and we are, as a podcast, in the fantastic position of being about the three thousand five hundredth most popular podcast on the internet. That is brilliantly shit, as claims go, isn't it? To be fair, I can't decide if it's awesome or ridiculous. It's brilliant. It is, yeah, it is ridiculous. I think, but yeah, I'm. I'm... Carry on. One of those, James. I've been sent a letter from a listener. Oh, it's no. a, a Robert from Kidderminster's written in. No, no. Yeah, seriously. I've been sent a, a letter from a Robert from Kidderminster. Hi, Robert. It says, James isn't even the 3,500th most popular person <laughs> in our house. A bit harsh. <laughs> we have. I have been sent a real, a real letter from a listener called Hutch. He said we can say his name, and I'm not sure it's any better than Robert's. <laughs> I can't decide if he's good, can we, James? But we loved it. It said, "Morning. How many of your 26 listeners have to listen to you both talking bollocks on the podcast numerous times before it sinks in like I have to?" <laughs> Happy for you to use my name, by the way. I've listened to the whole series, both on YouTube and podcast, about six times from start to the current issue. Cheers. <laughs> Hutch, I, we, I, we love that. I love it. We do. We do. Is it good? And it, no, it is good. I mean, I'm fair play to you because I can't even listen to this podcast and definitely can't watch it. So to to do both is super supreme effort. Hutch, well done, mate. On YouTube, I have to just hold a piece of paper up covering your face. I just watch myself. <laughs> For anybody that's watching on YouTube, uh, you'll notice that Alex has a, a picture of Philip Schofield behind him and this is again deliberately to wind me up because we did some filming today and i was compared to him and alex's face just turned into this big smile as that was said so he's just Absolute trying to gift. wind me up a <laughs> gift it well, almost made me as happy as the 97 uh different countries that i've got right. at least one person who listens to us and sorry, one of them I, I, sorry i've got i've got at least one person that listens to us We've got uh, at least one person that listens to us uh, from 97 different com- countries. And one of them is Germany. So, willkommen. Es freut mich 
Sarah, that you're here, James. Uh, I, was, I, was, if I wasn't. I wasn't listening. Luckily, no, I was. You're very awful. <laughs> if you do listen from a far from place or Birmingham, get in touch. We'll read out where you're from. We really like it, and we're as always genuinely surprised and delighted. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm still amazed that anybody outside of our two respective families listening to this complete dog shit of a podcast. As yep. usual, this chocolate teapot of a podcast is a tragedy in three parts. We choose a theme in the last episode, which was the first part of this mini two-part back-to-basics series we talked about inattentiveness, which is half of the if you like diagnostic symptoms of ADHD. This being part two, we're going to cover the other half, which is hyperactivity and impulsivity or Im- impulsiveness. Those three parts. What, what are you laughing for? <laughs> Impulsiveness. Yes. I don't know if it's a word. It might be. Who? It might it, be. Well, well, it's not. Oh, fuck. You didn't see. <laughs> hate you. It's been too much for you today, hasn't it? <laughs> it, it has. It's been a long day. <laughs> Loving it. The, the three. The three parts include. Pig face, the psychoeducation monkey. There talking at the start about some of the science behind hyperactivity and impulsivity our personal reflections on how massively hyperactive and impulsive we both are and some top tips about how you might try and deal with those issues. So, as usual, I'll now pass you over to the man with the face like a giant button, Alex, the psychoeducation monkey, to talk about hyperactivity and impulsivity. Fire away, pig face. Okay, thank you, I guess. Right, so in the, in part one, we talked about the nine diagnostic symptoms of so-called inattentiveness. My brother texted me to say he couldn't listen to all die, which I loved. I've had to check the our laughably badly written script bullet points. <laughs> so James hasn't added another one in about my head. So we have nine, I'm afraid, symptoms of hyperactivity and impulsivity, which, diagnostically speaking, you need to have five of. If you're an adult that wants to get a diagnosis, you need five of these. Are you ready? So one of them. Number one, you fidget or tap your hands or feet or squirm all the time. You're fidgety. B, you leave your seat in situations <laughs> when, <laughs> when remaining Every seated. Every fucking time that gets me. <laughs> so leaving your seat in situations where remaining seated is the thing you're supposed to be doing. That's what's expected. Toi, experiencing feelings of restlessness. Four, Difficulty engaging in quiet and leisurely activities. Five, you are on the go or act as if you're driven by a motor somehow. Six, you talk excessively. Seven, you blurt out answers. Eight, difficulty waiting your turn, particularly or not, uh, often in conversation. Hmm. And nine, you've got a head like an orange on a toothpaste. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Ah. Right, the real number <laughs> number nine is you interrupt or intrude on others, ironically. Well done, Alex, for, for reading a list. I mean, for you, that's like a big win, isn't it? Well, I can, my reading age isn't 12, James, like yours, so that's fine, isn't it? <laughs> to be fair, mate, it was uh it was 12 the last time they checked. So it may it may be higher now. Well, in a week, it's not gonna raise much. <laughs> anyway, to put it basically. It's our brains, James. ADHD brains. And to not put it basically, to add some information that's useful, maybe? Okay, so for people cleverer than James, which is everyone, (laughs) studies have shown that ADHD brains have smaller and less functional prefrontal (laughs) cortexes, PFCs, it says here, 
James wrote that bit, you can tell, because he didn't write cortices, the plural of cortex. His Latin <laughs> is shocking. Less functional prefrontal cortices, especially in the right half of the brain. So you put your hand on your forehead, like you're taking temperature. This area is just behind your forehead and more on the right-hand side. This prefrontal cortex plays a crucial role in regulating what we pay attention to, our behaviours, and our emotional reactions to things. They, all of those are things that almost every adult with ADHD will recognise as having issues with all of them, really. Mm -hmm. So the right half of the brain, in this prefrontal bit at the front, that controls something called behavioural inhibition, which if you think about the words, it's the, the, the ability to inhibit your own behaviour. We've talked before about having a lack of breaks, the inability to stop or control some of our actions or thoughts. There might be movements or impulses or reactions. You seem to have, um, I say, an inability to stop being boring, don't you, to be <laughs> honest? Thanks, James. That was You genuinely put your hand up and interrupted to say, stop being boring. This is literally our job. I'm ignoring you. Anyway, in order for the prefrontal cortex to work properly... Even in a normal size prefrontal cortex, you need the right levels of neurotransmitters, brain chemicals, James, that's what you need to hear. <laughs> Everyone knows I'm talking especially about dopamine and noradrenaline. Dopamine gets all the press, but it's not the only brain chemical involved in ADHD, as we say a lot. As you've probably guessed, almost all of you, in ADHD, not only is your prefrontal cortex likely to be smaller, but it also has less activity of the brain chemicals which means it just doesn't work properly. That's the key here. Front bit doesn't work properly. So not being able to control the urge to do something or being impulsive to do something is partly due to this lack of size and adequate activity right in the prefrontal cortex. Other brain areas are available. Huh, right, last bit, promise. The prefrontal cortex will also have a role in being impulsive as it regulates the inhibition of things you might not want to do. Interestingly, a study about three years ago suggested that hyperactivity was associated, associated with increased connectivity in other bits of the brain. Some very oddly named and hard to pronounce bits of the brain found within the auditory, listening and sensory motor network. The sensory motor network is activated during movement, what we call motor task movements, really, such as finger tapping. So. If this part of the brain is more active and connected, it could explain why some of us with ADHD, in fact, most, probably around 70%, also have issues with hyperactivity or have hyperactivity as part of their ADHD. And that is why James can't let me finish. A so thanks for, thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've delivered that um, adequately and it takes us nicely into the break. Where we'll be back with some personal reflections on how massively hyperactive and impulsive we are. See you in a minute. Welcome back to podcast number 29, James, of the ADHD Adults Podcast. We are talking about hyperactivity and impulsivity as part two of a two-part mini-series, just reminding everybody of the basics of ADHD. In the first bit, we banged on about the psychoeducation behind hyperactivity and impulsivity. As always, personal reflections on what are, quite frankly, ridiculous bits of evidence <laughs> of <laughs> hyperactivity in, in both of us. James, how's it been for you? 
Uh, so I think this is interesting. Nobody else probably will. But last week, I think I said, I said, I think that I wasn't really aware of my inattentiveness before I got diagnosed. It wasn't really something that I, I thought about or knew or had noticed um, until you told me <laughs> that I probably had ADHD, you bastard. But I was absolutely fully aware that I was hyperactive and impulsive and if you go back to when i grew up back in the 1920s in a small shropshire town called clibri mortimer where there were basically three gps and that's it and i can vividly remember being told when my mum took him there i don't know what for actually but being told he's hyperactive and he'll grow out of it i can remember that and obviously back then you know 90 probably 1980s to be honest very early 80s you know adhd wasn't I think in small rural Shropshire towns, um, you, you wouldn't get diagnosed with it. So kids would be called hyperactive if they, you know, acted out or were, were hyperactive. Um, but if you go through that list, the nine things apart from the um, orange on a toothpick, then <laughs> it it just it feels like someone's describing me. So fidget, tap my hands, feet, squirm in my seat, do that all the time. I cannot sit still. Um, it's the second one about leaving your seat in a situation where remaining seated is expected. I, I can't take a phone call and sit down. Cannot do it. I have to get up and walk. And it doesn't matter where I am. Somebody else's house, you know, on a train, in an office. I've, I've got to get up and walk about. It, it's a weird it's a weird thing. But that sitting down and having a conversation, the two things just don't go together. Um, weirdly, the only thing I can sit down for for any extended amount of time is a film. But I think there's some kind of emotional reward there. Restlessness all the time. I'm never settled. I'm never I, I, the kind of inner peace, the sense of I'm relaxed lying on a beach, or, you know, or <laughs> sunbathing or, or sitting, having a picnic. Can't do it. After five minutes, got to do something else. What can I do? There's got to be something to do. Difficulty engaging in quiet, leisurely activities. I don't even know what they are, to be honest. This was one of the ones that I deliberately didn't answer in my diagnostic interview because I was already bored. So I just put no problems for this. Seems <laughs> fine. <laughs> yes, it came out as negative. The driven by a motor thing. Holy fuck. That is absolutely me to a T. That I just have to be, I have to be doing something. I have to keep going. I have to keep going. I've got to have a task. I've got to be doing something. I, I If I try and stop, then that domestic anxiety we've talked about, the second my brain, or well, me, <laughs> says, that's it for the day. Within five minutes, massive domestic anxiety, which you remember I said I'd fixed about three minutes. Yeah, you'd fixed that, didn't you? I and how did you? That. Can you remind everyone how you fixed it? Then? <laughs> Drink, was that drinking, Al? I can't yeah, you <laughs> you started drinking. <laughs> yeah, I, did. I started drinking brandy. Um, and the fancy well, brandy, expensive brandy. Um, yeah, but the second I say to myself, "Oh, that right, I finished work. Let's just have some." Downtime because I deserve it. Massive domestic anxiety. Can't yeah. move, walk, leave the house unless I get drunk or something else. Um, talk excessively. I mean, you're doing it right now. I'm bored out of my mind. Uh, yeah, I know that, that's true. And I think most of our listeners will, will probably agree that's a bigger problem for you than me. To talk excessively, <laughs> I'm maybe not positive for. I can't remember if I was. Blurt out answers. Oh, fucking hell. That is that's it's so. This is one of the things that I even now still struggle with stuff from years ago where I've done that. Oh yeah, and, and it haunts me. Three um, in the morning. Change. Yeah, exactly. do, do you remember when? Yeah. Do you remember when exactly. you ruined everything? Yeah, exactly. Particularly when it's when it's 
literally nothing to do with you and you're answering it for somebody else or you're answering oh, somebody, somebody else's question in a kind of quiz type situation oh god into yeah. all the time um <laughs> difficulty waiting their turn and particularly in conversations you know you've got a tip for this which i'm sure you'll give later but this again for me was something that i would give myself shit for for ages it because it's it's embarrassing you always, yeah, i would see two people having a conversation and walk up because i wanted to speak to one of them wait for 10 seconds they're deep in conversation and then just blurt out oh, john i need to speak to you about something and, <laughs> and they obviously look at you aghast because you're this mutant that's just not respected the fact they're in a conversation and then obviously I'd walk away thinking, oh, they really did that I'm such a again. Dickhead. But that's every day. It would be yeah, yeah. all the time. Um, and then the last one, interrupting or intruding, it's obviously related to number eight. Again, it's yeah, absolutely unable to not do that, and absolutely hate myself for it. So I, I think I always associated myself throughout my life with hyperactive and impulsive symptoms, but didn't know it was a thing because I didn't know that ADHD existed until you phoned me up whatever it was, seven or eight years ago. So this, this, this just feels like me much more than an inattentiveness does, even though I now know I am inattentive. I've always known I'm hyperactive and massively impulsive. What about you, Alice? Yeah, same, James. Looking at that list, it's just the same, the same, the same, the same. Well, I think I didn't think I was hyperactive as a child. And partly because my brother was so much worse. I won't, my brother, I won't mention his name. Jules. <laughs> also, because I didn't have anything to compare it to. I now know that other people aren't behaving like I'm behaving and they're not thinking the way I, I didn't, obviously didn't know that, you know, the, the, yeah. that is a list of nine things that my life is like every single day, all day. Some of them have always been just annoying and even funny, you know, I don't mind. Others make me feel like a complete dick, not being able to sit still when I'm supposed to, like at the theatre, talking so much in 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 work and social situations even though just before i went into the room of the meeting or or in in the party i begged myself not to over talk and overshare and then i did shared everything oh and it and the shame and the guilt the one i really hate similar to you i think james is oh. is the feeling of restlessness all the time it's, it's a fake feeling as well, because I haven't got anything else to do. It's like, you're doing the wrong thing. You're doing the wrong thing. Do something else and make it movie, you know, make it yeah. something with Rod. It's a fake feeling that I should be doing something else. Yeah. They used to say about Al Capone that his tummy was never full. And they used to say that about me as well. I, what I'm trying to say, James, I'm exactly like Al Capone. <laughs> in, in the, I'm, I'm a bit uh, slightly overweight and I haven't paid my taxes. <laughs> That's the only two. And my tummy's never full. And it's that really, that restlessness, yeah. that tummy never full, needing to do something else. That, that, that was the cause of, well, drinking, frankly, and lots of other stuff yeah. as well. And, and you get you, you get why people do use substances. Or... Uh, absolutely other ways of just getting through the day because that that for me they're very closely linked the restlessness and the being driven by a motor just that sense that you've, you've got to be doing something you cannot All rest it's mm -hmm. awful particularly if you've you know you've been working really hard and you get a holiday and you, you go on holiday and you get there and within five <laughs> minutes you just you can't fucking relax you can't sit down or sunbathe or whatever you've got to be well, in your case you know going and looking at churches or something really dull but yeah. Five or six churches and I'm tired. 
<laughs> no, I'm the same. I'm lying on the beach and I lie there and go, oh, thank God for that. I can feel one little bit of sand on my leg and that's all I can think about and I have to wiggle it and then my toe isn't right or the blanket over my eye isn't is wrong and then everything's wrong. Everything's wrong. Do something else. All the fucking time. Excuse my friend. I love how you apologise for swearing on one of the sweariest podcasts on mental health. Um, yeah. That exists, true. even if it is 3,500. Manners don't cost anything, James. They don't equally. Um, lots of things you can get for free, Alex. Um, some of them are quite fun. I noticed you said theatre and not cinema, which obviously <laughs> is a bit of a tell uh, yeah. for you, isn't it? And you yeah. also haven't responded to me calling you Alice three times now, and that is irritating me. I just thought your list would come back. <laughs> that's lispist alex i'll have you know it probably is it is right now it's time for the game that probably not oh. actually which is what has james lost mislaid or forgotten this week so um you know as we've talked about in the past and i know you hate this even though you we well, do secretly love me you know i know you don't like me smoking but as we've talked about in the past the only time i get in a piece the only time that restlessness goes and it's for about five minutes is when i go outside with a fag and a cuppa and listen to music Today's episode is brought to you by Big Cigarette. <laughs> big, big, big Cigarettes, music, and Tetley's tea. Now, it's quite a complicated procedure when you think about it, because I've got to remember the cigarettes, a lighter, um, the cup of tea, which everyone knows for me is a fucking problem, my phone, because mm-hmm. that's where the music comes from, and my AirPods. So what was that, six things? I've got to remember. So the question is, this week, when I, on one occasion, when I went out for a cup of tea, and if I had to listen to music to get some inner peace because I was having a, a very, very long and hard day, how many times did it take me to actually go outside and then come back inside, then go outside, then come back inside before I could do that? Was it number one, four times, mm-hmm. number two, six times, or number three, yeah. eight times? Right. Let's have a... Was Sam with you? No, she... Uh, she I mean, was she at home or was she but, having a fag with me? Well, you can't count up to eight, so she would have had to let you know. She can't do that. <laughs> so we're still going with the technique. Yeah, we're doing that strategy. Yeah. Good, 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 good. Yeah, I think that four times is probably average for you because of, you know, your difficulties. <laughs> so I'm going to go slap bang in the middle and say six. And you're incorrect. It was, oh. four. It was four. I deliberately went low because I, I just, I, I dislike you that much. I don't want you to score points. So it was a bit of... A bit of diversion there, but yes, yeah, so we've now got. I think we agreed. Is it 10 out of 20 now? Is it 10 out of 20? Did we even agree you had 10? I don't fucking know. If anybody knows the score, 50 percent. Please, please, can you that's a passing that's a passing med school, James? Medical school. <laughs> well, mate, the fact that you work in a medical school should give people no confidence in the medical system whatsoever because you're teaching the people that are going to probably end up um, devastating their lives later on um, yeah. in hospitals. Fab, so you're still rubbish at this game. We can move on to the final part of the podcast now, which is uh, top tips. See you in a bit. Bye. Welcome back to the third and final part of episode 29 of the ADHD Adults podcast. Um, I'm going to let you go first, uh, Al, because the last few podcasts I've actually done well, and I know it diminishes you as a person to go second and just have to agree with everything I say. So uh, out of pure generosity and benevolence, why don't you give us some tips, you big cock? Welcome back to the episode 20. Oh, have you already? <laughs> I wasn't listening. 
<laughs> right. So, main tip, and you know what we're going to say. James and I are both going to say emotional acceptance because it's a disorder and it's it's a smaller brain giving you a lack of behavioural inhibition. It isn't you being a naughty, fidgety person. It doesn't work like that. So, obviously, emotional acceptance every week. But my best tips for this that are practical, the main one is if you've got to be doing something and sitting down, sitting still, like like going to the theatre, is to sit at the back by the door and I will leave if I have to. That's hard and it became easier because, and the reason it became easier for me is because I would explain to the people I'm with why I have to do that. I used to get so embarrassed and people would either laugh at me or get annoyed with me. Like I wasn't, I didn't care about their thing or I was just being rude. I would explain that this is a physical restlessness as a symptom of a brain issue. It wasn't that I didn't like that particular area or, <laughs> or, or sports event or whatever. I was going to go, I was going to try and get something in about it, dep- but it depends on the area because that's the only yeah. thing I know about, about opera, but you've beat me to it, you fucker. <laughs> I've never left an opera, obviously, but I I have left everything else. The practical tip I have for blurting out or oversharing, my main strategy, honestly, I'm not sure this is a tip, but what I do is I'm a a goddamn open book. I I use the fact that everyone knows everything about me as power because ain't no one going to blackmail me because I tell everyone anyway immediately. But if it's something that I I really don't want to share, maybe it affects other people or I, I just really don't want to. What I do is I try and say to myself before I use think of what is the emotional effect it will have on either me or the people around me if if I don't restrict that. And it usually helps me. It works about half the time is what I'm trying to say. But I'm a massive oversharer. What about you, Jim? I'm trying oh, to... you're done. You're done. Mm, I, well, I, used yeah. to be, I used to be called Jim, actually. As we, I think we've chatted about this. When I started mm. in academia, I had such imposter syndrome. I changed my name to James because I thought it sounded cleverer. It didn't work, obviously. I mean, it does. <clears throat> does it? I think, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair enough, mate. Um, right. One of my tips. A lot of this comes down to whether or not you're willing to share your diagnosis or your symptoms if you're undiagnosed because remember we are here for all those who are undiagnosed particularly those who are on massively long fucking waiting lists trying to get diagnosed but if you're willing to share your diagnosis or your symptoms then you can kind of get ahead of the game and alex i now understand why alex doesn't like going second because i feel like i'm just repeating something that a complete dickhead said Mm -hmm. if you can't sit still in a meeting like i can't back when we used to have face-to-face meetings if those present know about your ADHD or your symptoms, then you can get up and walk around without people thinking, what's he doing? Or, you know, you know, where's she going? It actually gives you a little bit of power there because people will just think, that's Alex. He's got ADHD. He's hyperactive. If you tend to interrupt people um, or, or, or blurt things out or you can't wait for your term in a conversation, and I expected, and I've written this down, I expected Alex to, to talk about his pattern paper (laughs) but again people will understand if they know that you have adhd or you have adhd symptoms that they're more likely to be accepting and not think you're just a cock they'll probably they'll probably you know nobody likes being interrupted but people do generally understand if they if they realize you don't have control over that over that interrupting um if you don't disclose your diagnosis or symptoms which is absolutely fine we're not the disclosure adhd police then (laughs) 
Alex has already mentioned emotional acceptance, which is really important. And that is forgiving yourself for all of the stuff we've just talked about. So if you do interrupt someone, someone, it's not your fault. Don't beat yourself up. Get into, we talked about totaming and, you know, having a mantra and saying, it's not me, it's my ADHD or just something to take you out of the moment after something like that happens so that you don't beat yourself up about it. If you can't stop it, at least don't fucking kill yourself for doing it. Um, so emotional acceptance is massively important. For some, fidget toys help. Now, I genuinely didn't think a fidget ring was something that I needed. And, and a, a friend of mine who I, I, work with, I used to work with, no, Eric, uh, bought a fidget ring and it was great for him. And I thought, I'll buy one and just didn't really work. But then I realized I, I already do it. I've got two rings on this finger and I constantly turn them around. Yeah, and me if too. I take, if I ever take my rings off, I'm like, well, I can't. I genuinely get more hyperactive. So it kind of works for me to have this little thing to focus on. So there's a bit of movement, a bit of motor activity. I'm moving my fingers, and that kind of quells the need sometimes to get up or move around. And there are lots of different fidget toys, fidget rings. They may work for you. They may not. There's not a, not a lot of evidence about them. And for impulsiveness, which is obviously part, we talk a lot about hyperactivity, but for impulsiveness, re really it's about, and this doesn't work for every situation, but it's about kind of stop, think, act. And that's putting a pause in between the impulse to do something and doing it. So if, if you're about to send a really angry email or text message, um, you know, write it down, but don't send it. Because that works you, for me, actually. If you come back and look at it again in half an hour, you'll probably think, OK, that's a bit. I need to tone that down a bit. Oh, yeah. Um, equally, if, you, if you're about to make an impulse purchase, and there are lots of we talked about this. In the, I think we did an impulse spending episode, didn't we? Um, you know, you can always say you know what I'll, I'll try to say right i'll buy that tomorrow i'll save it in my wish list and look at it tomorrow and you'll probably even forget it exists but but stopping and putting a pause in before you act when you can now face to face this, this often doesn't work because I, I you know i how i don't punch alex in the face when i see him really i don't that's down to the impulse control that i don't think i have so face to face stop think act doesn't often work but actually you know uh, over the internet or your phone, email communication, it, it genuinely can help you from from being impulsive. It's, it's why it's why I only hang out with you when you're medicated. <laughs> Neither of us, James, has said has said the tip for impulsivity that you just reminded me of that we both do, which is when we've got an email to send that that's emotionally difficult or we're worried it'll piss someone off. We both send it to each other, don't we? Yeah, we do. And yeah. in, and say, is that all right? And yeah. James, the problem is that you haven't got. You're quite much more aggressive than me, so you sometimes say, "Oh, that's brilliant, send it." And I think, I, maybe and I, I shouldn't. <laughs> and I have and I have terrible grammar and spelling, so obviously when oh, I send you yeah. comes back properly gr grammatically written, then I feel like <laughs> yeah. the failure in life that that I am. You but yeah, are. no, ADHD buddying um, is having a buddy. It's just so important for things like this. Just having somebody, even if you don't like them. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously, in this case. Mm. Case case in point, Alex. Case it's just point. so useful because it's that little sounding board that, that means you can just check if something is stupid, if you should send something. Um, and it works for loads of other things. If you've got paralysis, if you're struggling with your mental health, having somebody that understands, having a buddy with ADHD or somebody with lived experience of ADHD, so important to have them there. Absolutely. Right, we're nearly done, aren't we? Thank fuck. Yeah. Um, too long. Product recommendation of the week then, fidget ring. I suppose that'll do. Yeah. Or a Dutch totem. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's got to be something though, hasn't it? Definitely. Right. On, 
on that note, that was episode 29 of the ADHD adults. Um, sit still and interrupt, which was the, part, well, the second part of a two-part series where we got back to basics to talk about inattentiveness and hyperactivity slash impulsivity or impulsiveness, which Alex doesn't think is a real world word. Not a word. World, word. Word. So, um, as usual, if you want to get in touch, um, largely to criticize Alex or, or tell us... Um, uh, how bad our podcast is, then you can get in touch on the socials at ADHD Adult UK. I'd just like to say, and this is quite important, if you have emailed us, even semi-recently, uh, I've lost all my emails, uh, as in I've forgotten what they are, and I think I've probably got a few emails from people through the website, um, etc. So apologies for that. And equally, as we talked about in, in one of the games of What's James Lost, if you've sent us a WhatsApp message, I've lost the phone which has the WhatsApp account on it. So we're not ignoring, I'm not ignoring you, or we're not ignoring you. Um, we're just not very good. So good. If, if you get in touch, the best way really is through the social media accounts because we've lost the ability probably to access anything else. Well, I am going to try and work out the emails and apologies for that. Until next time, take care and we'll see you soon. Word, world, <laughs> word. <laughs> Bye, all.